0: the Oak Point West Bloomfield podcast. We're a community of people who keep it real and believe that the gospel is such good news, and we hope we can encourage you along the way as we pursue Jesus together. Hey, I want to recognize that we have some, I'm not even going to call them guests because they are part of the original people out of our living room. Yuli and Jen Wiest, welcome back to Oak Point West Bloomfield. We've missed you guys. We know that you are living in Florida now and no longer in West Bloomfield, but we know that West Bloomfield is in your hearts and this community matters to you. So welcome back. We are glad that you guys are here checking us out in our new home. Um, Hey, during worship and just before we were praying back uh, with the team and... um, I just had like a a word that just was on my heart, and I wanna share it with you. And it it matters to me because we've been going through a lot sort of in our family, and maybe you can connect to this because of the hustle and bustle of the holidays, maybe stresses, but the word is really uh, feel. You know, And the reason why I say that is when trauma hits, when things go difficult, when life gets really busy, sometimes what happens out of our control is we stop feeling. And I just want to open up today and ask for the Holy Spirit to allow us to somehow supernaturally to feel today. Father, we ask you um, to overcome the hurts and the trauma and to overcome the busyness, to overcome the stresses in our lives, the things that our bodies really can't handle. And God, I pray that during this service today, God, that you'd allow us to connect to you and somehow, God, that you'd allow us to feel that as we talk about the corrupt nature that we were born into through Adam and the righteous nature that you've given us through Christ, Lord, that I, I pray that somehow you'd allow me to feel today in a way that closely connects to you. And for, for anybody else here, Lord, who's feeling a little bit distant from you, who's feeling like they can't feel right now, I pray, God, that you would do that in their hearts. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We're in a series in the book of Romans called Forgiven, and we've been going chapter by chapter looking at how Jesus has offered us this great gift of forgiveness at the cross. And last week at the first half of chapter five, we saw how it's a good thing to boast of God. It's good to boast of God, not in yourself. I explained how that road rally went a little sideways for me a few months back when we were chalking it up to the team that was gonna beat everybody. But when you boast of God, you can boast of him because uh, God has allowed you to commune with him. You can have fellowship with him. You can go directly to him. It says you have peace with God and access to God. You can boast of God because he allows you to actually suffer. And we saw that great diagram uh, in words through Romans chapter five, verses three through five, that shows that suffering produces perseverance which produces character, which produces hope. So it's this pathway that God takes us through that we should um, welcome suffering, general suffering is what I'm talking about, not the not the things that, that we see people being persecuted across the world. Most of us don't face those things, but we face general suffering. And it's a good thing to walk through that and persevere. And we saw also that we should boast of God Because God gives us reconciliation through the cross of Christ, Jesus made it so there's no more distance between us and God, that we can have rightness with God through Christ. So this week, what we're going to start off with is a claim. And my claim to you is that Adam, Adam, back Genesis chapter two, Adam and three, Adam and Jesus left the greatest imprints on humanity. Jesus fully God and fully man Adam a man those two men out of anybody in world history have left the greatest imprints on all of us as human beings and when I say imprint I mean like a stamp a mark an impression a logo for instance just picture this like you're driving down the road and you see this brand new car that you've never seen before driving toward you in the other lane and You're like, what type of car is that? And you don't know, you can't make it out. You've never seen this model before. It's like the brand new model year. And as it's driving closer to you, you catch a glimpse of the logo. And you can tell by that imprint, the make and model of your car, you're like, oh, that's the new whatever it is. That's an imprint, that's a logo. And when you see a logo or an imprint, it shows you what type of thing that is. And it shows you what that thing stands for. What's behind it? What's it from? Where'd it come from? What's it all about? The reality is that on this side of heaven, in this life that we live, each one of us has been given an imprint from Adam. It's a corrupt imprint. It's one that When sin entered the world through Adam's sin, it affected all of mankind, all of humankind. We've been born into a corrupt nature. We've inherited the imprint of Adam. And the great reality is that even though Adam's imprint is on each one of us, we also, for those who are in Christ, for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord, you have a more lasting imprint on you, a more permanent imprint on you also of Jesus. Adams will go away on your life the moment that you meet Jesus, but Jesus's will last forever. But here's the problem, is that as perfect of an accomplishment as Jesus made by living the perfect life, dying the perfect death on the cross and raising back to life, showing power over sin in the grave. As powerful as that is, and there's no buts to that, it's perfect. God has allowed for this time that we have on earth to still experience the imprint of Adam. And Jesus's accomplishment didn't erase Adam's imprint on us. And so throughout this life, what we have then is an opportunity that we will never have once we go home with Jesus. And it's to choose whose imprint is going to guide your life. And so today, as we look to Romans chapter five, the rest of that chapter, I'm hoping that for you, you you can connect to this great tension that exists in you, that you know that you belong to Christ if you've trusted in him. If you haven't yet, I pray that God will somehow convict your heart to do that today. You know, if you've trusted in Christ and you have Jesus's imprint, But you know because you're a human being, you have Adam's imprint that you can figure out ways to align yourself to the work of God in your life and wear only the imprint of Adam, or sorry, wear only the imprint of Jesus Christ on your life and, and somehow receive freedom from the imprint of Adam. So here's two different ways. The first one is accept freedom from Adam's imprint of death. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to read the entire scripture and then we're going to pick it apart because the author, Paul, he intersperses Adam and Jesus a bunch, kind of like half of a verse is about Adam, half of a verse is about Jesus. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we'll go through it. We're in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's the whole scripture we're gonna go through. You can see many times the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is doing this compare and contrast of Adam the first human being compared to Jesus. And there's a really key part that comes out here right at the beginning, verse 14. It uses the word type. It says, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one to come. That word type is a really rich word. And, th- and, when, a- and when you read it, think of the word prototype. Prototype. You know, a prototype is the first replica of what's to come. So for instance, my stepdad, when he was working, his job was he was a wood model maker for the automotive industry. It was really cool because um, back before they had like rapid prototyping machines, he had the craft, like the artistry and the engineering skills to carefully craft um out of wood models in, in 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 a a replica of what the true thing would be of like a vehicle and i saw one that he did um, close to the end of his career, like twenty five years ago, and it was this cool replica of a semi truck that he had been asked to make like an aerodynamic design of this semi truck. And it was really cool because like from the hood all the way down, like it was very seamless, and the lines that came through like cut down in the wind resistance. And what's neat is that if you look at semi trucks like thirty years ago compared to now, they're really a lot more seamless. And I, I'd like to think that my stepdad had something to do with that as he crafted like this wood prototype of what it would look like. It talks here about Adam being the, uh, was a type of the one to come. And once you realize that Jesus was not created, Jesus is the creator who has always existed. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had perfect, perfect harmony with one another before the foundation of the world. They have always been in perfect glory And then they chose to make all that we see. Adam is a created being, Jesus is not. So spiritually, Jesus is far before Adam. But physically, Jesus humbled himself by taking on the form of a human being. And Jesus was born after Adam. And so Adam is really like a prototype, a type of the one to come of Jesus Christ. And so Adam, being this type of the one to come, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 47, the first man was from the earth, a man of dust, and the second man is from heaven. So Adam's origins are from God putting his fingerprints on his most prized creation, human beings, forming Adam from the dust, forming Adam in the image of God, bringing him up and making him a human being. Jesus was from heaven. He's the divine creator who came to this earth. So Adam's a prototype of Christ, not spiritually, but physically. But here's the thing, unlike my stepdad who would build that aerodynamic, you know, 120th scale semi-truck that would look like the futuristic semi-trucks that we see on the roads today, It was an exact replica. Adam was made in the image of God. He was made perfect, but something happened where Adam's type, his, his look before Jesus, the one before Jesus, it took a turn and he became the exact opposite of Christ, all the good that God had made him to be the perfect imprint on him got changed around and he became actually the opposite of Jesus. So when you talk about Adam being the type of the one to come, it's actually like the reverse. Like you look at Adam and you have to like undo how he was to realize who Jesus was. It's kind of like this. Like imagine at the very beginning, you know, God, had this plan with this wonderful assembly line that he designed, you know, the, the vehicles that would be coming off and they would be perfect without blemish. And, you know, everything would look right and drive perfectly. But it's like Adam was produced and Eve, his helper. And then the aftermarket mechanic, a little corrupt, came on the scene as is like, I'm going to hook you up, man. <laughs> I'll make this thing a lot better than what you already got from him let me make a couple modifications. All of a sudden, the aftermarket mechanic, in this case, the serpent, the devil, uh, convinced that he can sort of convince Adam that it'd be better if you go his way. Next thing you know, like the, the the bumpers like and the fender and the fenders and the bumper and like the mirrors, instead of pointing toward the driver, they're like going out, the brake, instead of on the left and the gas on the right, like the gas is on the left and the brakes on the right, the seats are pointed backwards and you've got like the windows in the wrong spot. The aftermarket mechanic did it all wrong. He brought a corrupt way into how God's perfect plan was and the whole assembly line now was gonna inherit this terrible design that came from the aftermarket mechanic rather than be able to have this assembly line of perfect coming through. See, Adam was subject to a change that happened where he had everything perfect and then things went wrong. And so the first thing that we're looking at is choose whose imprint guides your life, accept the freedom from Adam's imprint of death, get away from that, Well, how do you do that? Here's the first way is that we have to realize that Adam's imprint is a carrier of sin and death. You know how the story goes in the garden when Adam and Eve had everything perfect, they had been created perfectly in the image of God, and, and Eve was the helper for Adam, and, and God gave them one possible thing that, that they're not supposed to do. If they did this one thing, that'd be the only way they could sin against God. And of course, they gave in to the serpent who tricked them, and from there, sin entered the world. That's what it says here in verse 12. Therefore, sin came into the world through one man, in death through sin. So what that means for us is that every single one of us is born into a sin nature. We have all inherited the sin of Adam the corruptness that he brought, just by product of being born, we all enter into that same sinfulness. And a lot of people will argue that. They'll say, you know, well, I I don't believe that's true because, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't do that. That was Adam. That wasn't me. But things changed. When that assembly line got messed with, it brought this inherited corruption to all of us. Adam's imprint on our lives. It's a carrier of sin and, and of death. Here's another thing that we see from the freedom we can get away from Adam's imprint of death is it's because Adam's imprint is a mark of condemnation. It says here in verse 16, The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. I want you to realize something. There's a difference between guilt and condemnation. Guilt is when you are convinced and convicted by your moral conscience that God has given you that something you are doing is sinful. And thank God that we've all got healthy, moral, God-given guilts, because guilt can be used in a good way to help us to steer away from that sinful thing that we're going to do and to choose a righteous path instead. But that's not the same as condemnation. God didn't create condemnation on you Condemnation is where guilt takes a stronghold of your life and you begin to beat yourself up, self-loathing, hating yourself, and you're in misery and you move towards shame. God did not create that for you. Guilt can be healthy and good. Shame is not healthy or good. Now look, if you struggle right now, if you struggle in this life with condemnation and shame, I want you to know you're not alone. There's a lot of us in this room who struggle with the same thing, that we might be convicted of something that just isn't right. And then we take it one step further and we start to heap shame on ourselves as if it's our fault, as if we've done it all and that there's no hope. That's a difference between guilt and condemnation. Adam and Eve, they brought condemnation into this world. And here's how it went. Genesis chapter 3 Marie read verse seven through 10 says this. It was after they sinned. It was after they had been told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam was given that command. And then Eve ate and so did Adam, verse seven. Then the eyes of both were opened Adam and Eve went from having no fear of God to hiding themselves from God. They were naked out in the open and they were not embarrassed because God had made them perfect and they were in a perfect place there in paradise. As soon as they sinned, that their eyes were open, they realized that they were naked. They didn't even realize they were, that that was a bad thing and they hid themselves with clothes. Before the sin, they used to commune with God. You know, those two with God, walking in the cool of the day, they used to spend time directly with God. And as soon as they sinned, they hid themselves from God. Another mark of shame, another mark of condemnation. Before the sin, before the fall, they were... um, pleased with God they had they had um, perfect communion with him they, they weren't afraid of him but after that sin they became afraid of God. they wanted to move away from him they, they were fearful of God all marks of shame and condemnation. The reality folks is that God does not want you to feel shameful and condemned before him. We have hope in Christ. And we know that we don't have to heap that guilt and let it turn into shame. But the reason why you feel condemned at times and you carry shame is because you have the imprint of Adam on you that none of us can fully escape until we go home with Jesus. Adam's imprint is also a vessel where death reigned. Verse 17 says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, and then it picks it up in verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death. So death came into the world through Adam in many forms. You know, the greatest, one of the greatest questions that people will ask is, why do people have to die? Why do people have to suffer? Why do people have to go through tragedy? Why do people have to be abused? Why is there hatred in this world? Why, is there, why are there wars? You know, why is it like this? And there's only one answer. It's because of the sin of Adam. Because of the sin of Adam, we now all have to experience death. Before Adam sinned, death did not exist. After Adam sinned, death came into the world. And death comes in the world now in a couple of different ways, a few different ways. Death comes to us physically. Every person will die, as you know. But people also are dead spiritually. It's why when you look around and you talk with neighbors and family and friends, perhaps this last Thanksgiving, and there's like a calloused heart, where they're cut off from God, where they don't want anything to do with God. They're dead spiritually and they need to be made alive through Christ. Death has entered into people also eternally. That when people die who don't have a relationship with Christ, when they die, they're going to be separated from God eternally. So death has entered this world physically, spiritually, And eternally, because of the imprint of Adam. So, how do we escape this? How do we get away from this? How do we not feel the condemnation, not feel the shame? Well, Galatians 5 1 says, For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It says here that our role in this guided by the Holy Spirit, following God, accepting the way that God has designed it, is to stand firm and to not submit, to not submit to the imprint that Adam wants to put on your life to make you feel condemned, to make you feel shame, to make you feel your sin. Adam's imprint also made many people sinners. Verse 19 says that. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. We're born into a sin nature. We've inherited it. We've inherited corruption through Adam. Look, people don't become sinners because they commit sins. People commit sins because they're sinners. It's not like it started right when we made our first sin, and then, therefore, we're now called the sinner. No, we sin because we're sinners, because we are born into a sin nature, because of Adam's imprint on us, that logo that has been stamped onto each one of us, because we are human beings. So we can be free from that by realizing that Adam might be a part of you, but you don't have to be a part of Adam. Adam. You can accept the freedom that exists away from Adam and do one very important thing, which is the second step, which is to accept the freedom in Jesus's imprints of life. Jesus, throughout the New Testament, is linked to Adam in a couple of spots. We see here in Romans 5, also 1 Corinthians chapter 15, And Jesus is sometimes referred to as the second Adam or theologically like the better Adam or the perfect Adam. It's like this typology of the Adam coming before Christ. So all that Adam was in his corrupt nature, Jesus is the exact opposite. He undid all the work that Adam did that was wrong to mess things up. It's like Jesus is the one who we expect him to be, the one that we hope him to be. You know, the wheels on straight, the bumper in the front, the fender in the back, the the windows actually work the way they're supposed to, the gas pedal and the breaker on the right side. Like, he's perfect. He's exactly who you would expect him to be, to be the God-man, the one who came to us undoing all the wrongs of Adam. And Jesus's imprint is that he's the deliverer of life, it says that in verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. It took one man, Adam, to mess everything up, and then it took just one man, Jesus Christ, to fix everything. First Corinthians 15, 21 and 22 says, For as by one man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. What's saying there is that if you've trusted in Jesus, you are made alive. Jesus is the first fruits. He beat the grave. He defeated death. He defeated the enemy's sting. He rose from the dead and we get life through him. He's the deliverer of life. 1 Corinthians 15:45 says the first man Adam became a living being the last Adam that's Jesus became a life-giving spirit. It says in verse 17 or it says in um Romans 5:21 grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus brings life to us physically spiritually, and eternally, to undo all that Adam did by causing death physically, spiritually, and eternally. Physically, we'll all die. But the Bible tells us, do not fear death. Because the moment we die, we will enter into eternity. It's as if we, you know, just continue right on. And and then we continue in glory and not on these frailed human bodies that we have. So we're told not to fear the physical death. Jesus brings life also spiritually. It's why the Bible tells us that we can have an abundant life, that our time here on earth, though it is flawed with the markings of Adam, we can experience God's fullness in this life. God allows his kingdom to come into our lives. It is possible by the power of the Holy Spirit to reign in this life through Christ, to overcome the enemy's attacks on us in Adam's markings on us, to have a fulfilled life, to have an abundant life spiritually. And then Jesus also brings life to us eternally. We're with God forever. The moment that we die, the moment that Jesus returns, we we have this extended period that we will be with God. Every human being will rise. But those who have trusted in Jesus will be with God in eternity forever. They will experience true life through Christ because he is the deliverer of life. Jesus's imprint also brought justification, verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. We've talked about this word justification a couple times already in this letter. It's that idea that when God sees you, if you've trusted in Jesus, he sees you as not guilty. The judge has swung the gavel down and you've been deems not guilty of your sins, even though we've all committed sins. It's because at the cross, when Jesus died, he took on your sins. He took on the curse. He took on the blame and the punishment that each of us deserve to have. We have a clear record before the the Lord because of Jesus's imprint on us. Jesus's imprint also brought righteousness. Verse 19 says that. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. We're not only deemed not guilty, but when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ credited to your account. He sees you blameless, but he also sees you perfect in Christ, righteous, and holy, that's because of Jesus's imprint on you. Look, the power of Christ cannot be broken. The power of sin can be broken. That is why the imprint of Christ is so much more than the imprint of Adam. Christ is more powerful to restore than Adam was to undo. You know, when I think about Adam and I think about his imprint on me and I think about this choice that I get to have between accepting Adam's imprint or Jesus's, I think it's easy to put a whole lot of blame on Adam. I don't. I don't blame Adam. I see myself in Adam. I see myself in Adam. I see myself. If I was tempted the same way that he was in the garden, I would have done the same exact thing. When I look at Adam, I also realize that Adam, I believe, was saved. I believe that Adam was saved by the same way that each of us is saved, by Jesus Christ. And here's how I get there. You know, Adam, after he sinned, after he felt guilt that led to condemnation and shame, was hiding himself, God showed up. God showed up in Adam and Eve's life. God covered Adam. What did he cover him with? Well, he covered Adam and Eve with a garment made of animal skin. What does that show? Well, that's a substitute, a life for a life. It's It's an early picture of substitutionary atonement that God would cover Adam and cover Eve. Adam also was there when God promised that he would crush the head of the serpent. That's a promise, that's the Adamic pro- promise, the, the covenant that was made through Adam that that one would come, the savior of the world that would crush the enemy. That That points to Jesus, that Jesus, his death on the cross was a defeat of the enemy but when he returns, when he comes back riding on that white horse, he will defeat the enemy for good and crush his head for good. That was a promise that was given to Adam. He was here, there to hear that. And then Eve's name, Life-Giver. Never, they, they didn't know about conception. They didn't know how to produce a human being. They didn't understand. Like that was never part of the equation. Her very name as Life-Given had to take some trust from Eve and Adam to believe that. She being the Life-Giver would be the one who would be the first mother I believe that Adam and Eve are people looked to who are redeemed the same way that we are redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. After Adam's sin, there needed to be a rebuild. It's kind of like this. I envision it like this, using the same metaphor of the assembly line, the vehicle. It's like the assembly line that was corrupted by the tempter, the enemy, Satan, this evil corrupt aftermarket mechanic who changed the assembly line all of a sudden stopped as our savior hung on that cross. The assembly line stopped for three hours as the sun went dark and there was a changeover. There was a changeover. Everything had to get retooled, be brought back to the way that it was supposed to be that when Jesus cried out, it is finished. What he showed is his dominion over the enemy's schemes to make it all bad. And so Jesus made it so that the assembly line, when it took back off again, it's through the cross, it's through his sacrifice on the cross to make all things right again, to make it so that one day there will be no more tears, there'll be no more corruption, all because of Jesus that Jesus fixed everything that got broken with Adam. And as the band comes back up, the bottom line is that Jesus leaves a perfect imprint on our lives. And we each have a choice of whose imprint we're gonna roll with. For those in Christ, you, you are carrying two imprints and it could be a wrestle day to day to not let Adams take you out To not let the corruption from sin take you out. How are you going to receive freedom from Adam's imprint on your life? But for those in Christ, you have the imprint of Christ who is more powerful, the Holy Spirit living in you. Will you wear his imprint? Will you accept the freedom that you find in Jesus? Perhaps for somebody here today, if I were to ask you, do you have the imprint of Christ on your heart? You can't confidently say that yet. And look, if that's you, I'm glad that you're here because here's the reality. You need to hear a message right now. And the message is that God came to this earth in human form, Jesus Christ. He came as the Savior who was promised in the garden and he came to live the perfect life, the life that we should have lived, the life that none of us could because we all have given into our sins. And Jesus died on that cross. On that cross, Jesus spilled his blood, a life for a life, his perfect life becoming the curse for you, for me, so that we could be deemed justified and righteous in God's eyes through his sacrifice. And then Jesus rose back to life on the third day, defeating death and sin. He will return back to this earth, and when he comes, his glory will reign on this earth. But do you have Christ's imprint on your life? If you don't, Perhaps the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now to turn to Him, to trust in Jesus Christ. Receive the imprint of Christ on your life. If that's you, I'll pray with you in just a moment. Settle it with God today. Don't walk out of here unsettled. For the rest of us, for those who are in Christ, look, there's probably an area of your life right now, an aspect of your life that needs freedom from Adam and instead to have freedom in Christ. What is that area of your life? Where has that imprint of Adam taken over, and it's casting out the imprint of Christ in your life? Realize, friend, that Christ is more powerful. His imprint, his logo is far better, more powerful, and can break sin. So where do you need to submit something before the Lord and just be like, Lord, I want you to take this from me and I want to wear the imprint of Christ. Would you stand up and bow your heads for prayer? I think a lot of us are wearing the imprint of Adam as it comes to condemnation and shame. And we need freedom from that today. That right here at Oak Point Church West Bloomfield, on this Sunday, we are gonna draw a line in the sand and say no more. No more will Adam's imprint rule my life when it comes to shame. Instead, you're going to get freedom from, away from Adam and freedom in Christ and accept the grace and the mercy that he demonstrated at the cross and he wants to give you by the power of the Holy Spirit right now. If that's you, if you need freedom from shame today, would you raise your hand? I see you guys. Jesus is the deliverer of life. So, why is it that a lot of us aren't living the abundant life that God has called us to? What's getting in the way? Maybe for you today, the way that you are connecting to the Lord and the thing that the aspect of your life that you want to see God redeem today is to have the abundant life spiritually right now. You understand that eternally you're going to be right, but right now it's hard. And you want to experience the abundance of life that Christ offers today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? See you guys. And lastly, is there somebody here today that needs to accept for the first time Jesus's imprint on your life. For the very first time, to realize that Jesus died on that cross for you, to offer you forgiveness and to give you righteousness. And if that's you and you need to accept the righteousness and the imprint of Christ for the first time, would you raise your hand? Lord God, we thank you that you are fully righteous. Jesus, that you have given us your perfect imprint, which is far better than the lousy imprint that we have from Adam. And so God, as we navigate through this life, may we be guided by you, Christ. May we realize, Lord God, that you are making all things good. Even though it's hard for us sometimes to see it, you are in full control. May we surrender our ways to you, Lord Jesus, even though it's hard. And will you help us to experience true freedom today today, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen.